Uh, all these and many others, especially our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, are all described as born-again Christians. On the other hand, we don't hear the term being applied to our bishop, uh, Glenn Davies, or perhaps me. I've been, been described as lots of things, usually not so nice things, <laughs> but I haven't been described as born again. What about you? The inference from this is that there are two kinds, yes, two kinds of Christians. And although I think at one level there is, <laughs> I think you know what I mean. That is, there are two kinds of Christians, those who have been born again and those who haven't. And it is us, usually, mainstreamers, who are not usually credited with the experience or the privilege of being called born again. I don't think people understand what being born again actually means. So there is a great misunderstanding and confusion in society today as to the precise meaning and significance of the term. So what does it mean? Uh, Jesus himself uses the term quite dogmatically. So we need to be sure that we understand what he means. So firstly, why is it necessary to be born again? Uh, picking up on our Bible reading at John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus starts with the words, Amen and Amen. We have in our NIV 2011 translations, Very truly. Uh, some translations have verily, verily, if you remember that, or truly, truly. Others have, I tell you the truth. I think this expression appears 24 times in John's Gospel. And such an expression indicates that this point is not to be missed. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Uh, to see the kingdom of God for a Jew, after all, Jesus is talking to a Jew by the name of Nicodemus. Uh, one would be participating in life at the end of the age, after one's death. That is, as we know it, eternal life. So why is it necessary? Answer? Well, we can't have it any plainer than that, can we? Being born again is certainly not an optional extra to Christian life. A nice thing to happen. No, it is essential for inclusion in God's heavenly kingdom to come. To be born again is essential if one wants to live beyond this life. It is essential. In verse 7, Jesus then says, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Must. <laughs> One must be born again to enter God's kingdom. Verses 3, 5 and 7. Therefore, if we have not been born again, we will neither see nor enter the kingdom of God. 
we will be a Ghana. It is that simple. It is that clear. It is that significant. It is a prerequisite. So if being born again is of such importance, our second question then naturally follows. What is involved in the process of being born again? What is involved in the process of being born again? In verse 6 of John chapter 3, Jesus says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Here we have a contrast being made of two types of life. The term flesh is used here to indicate our natural state, that of being earthly and unspiritual. This fleshly state is a state into which we are by nature born. Uh, hence why we prayed last week for Noah at his baptism. A wonderful occasion, wasn't it? That if he hasn't been already born again, that he would be born again. Yes, our fleshly state is one in which we are sinful and out of relationship with God. We actually don't learn to be sinful. We naturally come that way. We are all descendants of Adam, Romans 5. Every person on earth is usually born in this first way, in the flesh. Uh, we all go on to live our natural lives. We dirty our nappies. <laughs> uh, we learn to walk and talk. Uh, we explore, we develop personalities. We go to school. We uh, get a job. We take up a career. Uh, many of us get married, have a family, we go into hook, uh, into hock, a uh, house and car. We progress to middle age, we might have grandchildren, even great-grandchildren. And around this time, perhaps begin to wonder what life is all about. We start to lose our looks, our eyesight, <laughs> our hair. No hair jokes, please. <laughs> And our teeth, our faculties and abilities begin to fade and we lose our strength. We slip into old age, might one day have a cardiac arrest, <laughs> might develop cancer, might have a stroke, but then we all die. Yes, as I keep saying to people, we are all naturally, naturally terminal. This is how it is to be born in the flesh and to die in the flesh. It is finite. It is a clear beginning and a clear end. Nothing spiritual about the fleshly life. It is a life lived without God. It's impossible to know how this fleshly rejection must grieve God. God says to the fleshly person, I love you, but I see you in your sin. And so I sent my son Jesus to die for your sin so that you might be restored to me. He took your punishment. He paid your penalty. He served your sentence. He did your time. And the fleshly person usually has the unmitigated gall to stand there and, in effect, tell God that one's sins aren't too bad. 
that they don't really matter, that one doesn't really need a saviour, that one therefore doesn't really need Jesus. You see, the, the natural fleshly person doesn't care much whether their life might be offensive to God or not. He or she chooses not to give such things a great deal of thought. But as long as a person remains in that state, they cannot, cannot enter the kingdom of God. They are fleshly and they need to change. Without these changes, one can neither see nor comprehend the things of God. They are foolishness as they were to Nicodemus. After all, when you think about it, he was a very educated man and a man who really knew his Bible. He was a member of the ruling council back then. He was a teacher of the scriptures. He was an important and influential religious figure, a sort of a, a diocesan heavy. <laughs> Yet even he, yes, he couldn't understand the need to be born again. And friends, the same is probably true for people today. People can be baptised, come to church, some for decades, uh, get confirmed, uh, have communion, sing the hymns, hear God's word read, listen to the sermons, join in the prayers, and yet still be lacking in understanding of their need to be born again. Still missing the key to eternal life. I'm guessing that's what drove your dad to church, Stephen. Still fleshly, in great need of being put right with God. They are like caterpillars who never get to be butterflies because they get poisoned, eaten by, by birds <laughs> or squashed by cars. Caterpillars who never get to be butterflies live out their short, unfulfilled lives, ugly, objectionable creatures with no idea of their potential beauty nor of the breathtaking wonder which comes with the freedom of flight. <laughs> and so it is with those who are not born again of the Spirit of God. They just live out their self-centred lives in unacknowledged and unconfessed sin, destined never to know the freedom which is available in God's forgiveness, destined to never to know the experience the and the wonder of flight, flight into heaven. But for some there is another life, the life of the Spirit. And this life of the Spirit has its beginnings not after death, as many believe, but in this life. And those who enter into this spiritual life are the ones of whom it can be said, they are born again, born of the Spirit, born of God. They have undergone the necessary spiritual rebirth. God's own Spirit enters their hearts and they undergo a massive process of change like the, uh, the caterpillar which becomes a butterfly, people undergo this change, emerge as new creatures. Uh, they are in a state of being, 
They are new beings who now live in a right relationship with God. They are no longer of the flesh but are of the spirit. They are born again and are now assured of entering the kingdom of God. Here then is the answer to our second question which asks what was involved in being born again. It is the process which takes place in the human heart when God's spirit enters enters it and undertakes a work of change of astronomical proportions from being fleshly to being spiritual. Our third question, and probably the most important one, uh, is the logical flow on from what we have heard so far. What do I have to do <laughs> to be born again? The answer at one level, as Craig said at the beginning, is relatively simple. Believe in Jesus. That's it. <laughs> but believe what about him? After all, the devil believes in him, doesn't he? <laughs> Friends, one needs to believe that Jesus is your saviour and Lord. That is the Messiah that God promised. And what does that mean? It firstly means that he is your saviour. That is, he is the one that saved you from the penalty our sins deserve before a holy God. It also means that he is your Lord, that is the one who now directs your life. You know, I, I originally have always liked Jesus being my saviour. That bit I never minded believing. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you? But him calling the shots in my life? Him therefore being my Lord? I didn't like that bit. And so it wasn't until I was told that that was probably the biggest bit, <laughs> that he died for all people on the cross, <laughs> that the, pe the penny finally dropped for me. You see, we are usually all born caterpillars. We are all ugly and objectionable, objectionable to God in our sin. We stand in the dock condemned by our sin. And we are therefore adjudged guilty. But God, out of his great love, as I said to you this morning, Howard, the more we understand the holiness of God, the more we, we understand the love of God. <laughs> but God, out of his great love for, our, for us, acted in himself to save us from the penalty of our sin. He sent his son Jesus, a famous verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John chapter 3 verse 16. Friends, we all stand guilty and condemned and yet freedom is made possible. God's love for us steps forward in the person of his own son, Jesus, and says, Punish me, Father. I will take their penalty. I will pay their dues. I will be scourged. I will go to prison. I will be crucified. I will die for them. 
On my head may your righteous anger fall. Did he have second thoughts? Absolutely. He knew it would be very, very, very painful. And that act of, I'm not too sure what word to use, supreme love allows you and me to step down from the dock. We can now be free of the charges against us. The sentence has been passed and is executed and it's all, all on Jesus. What do you have to be born to do to be born again? That's what. Jesus needs to be one's saviour and one's Lord. That's why we need to repent. And God will move in your heart and you will be changed forever. Our fourth question is, um, how do I know that it has happened? <laughs> how do I know that it has happened? Like... How do I recognise that I've been born again? Well, you will know it by the signs. That's big, on, big in John's Gospel. At one level, there is a great similarity between Christian rebirth and human birth. For example, the first thing new babies do is they cry. <laughs> Don't they, Lisa? <laughs> Graham and Tony, uh, Evan and Christine, uh, you have that to look forward to. <laughs> and so it is with the new Christian. We cry to God in prayer, in anguish prayer at times, at the sinfulness that has just been disclosed to us. The new Christian cries to our God from an overwhelming sense of shame, mixed with an understanding of one's great need for forgiveness, but the cry of shame is also mingled with a cry of thanksgiving when the cross is truly understood. Now, secondly, new babies are known as much for their dirty nappies as anything. <laughs> they need constant and ongoing cleaning. <laughs> and so too with the new Christian. They too see the need for their ongoing cleaning from the stain of sin. And so they keep returning to God so that they might be cleansed. Thirdly, the new human child is hungry and in need of comfort and sustenance. The new child sucks anything from nipples to dummies to thumbs to rocks to blankets. <laughs> and so too with the new Christian. One is hungry now for God's word. The word of God is devoured. One reads, studies, soaks up sermons, reads books on it, questions, meditates on it. It becomes one's very lifeblood. Doesn't it, Rod? Gideons. Fourthly, new babies move. They roll over. They crawl, toddle, walk, explore. <laughs> uh, the other week, um, ages ago, uh, uh, Dan and Lucy were about to tell me that they were having their second child. <laughs> but little Edith came up to me. She, she did the walking and talking straight away and said, I'm having a little baby sister. <laughs> 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 
and then her mum and dad said, uh, that was a secret. <laughs> but she's told everyone. New babies move, roll over, crawl, toddle, walk, explore. So too with a new person of God, like <laughs> Edith. They move out into their new world with a new set of values, sorting out priorities. They reshape their life, career, use of time, their use of money, relationships and so on. Uh, the new Christian now sees things with a whole new perspective. The new Christian seeks now to serve his or one's new Lord and to now witness to him. Uh, fifthly, the human baby rests against one's mother, fed, content, no concern or fear. Likewise, the new Christian rests secure in the knowledge of God's love, no longer fearing or dreading death. In the certainty that one is now right with God and will see and enter his heavenly kingdom. Actually, one already has in Jesus. These then are some of the signs of being spiritually born again. And they should go right through one's born-again earthly life as one follows Jesus daily. You see, if you're a fair dick and Christian, then you are born again. There aren't two varieties of Christians. Those born again and those non-born again. All Christians are born again. There are no exceptions, as we are told in our second Bible reading today. Well, it was our first, <laughs> Steve. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 And some of you will know exactly when and where that happened. I do. I know the exact time, the place and circumstances. But for others, it will have been a more gradual process when suddenly, one day, for no apparent reason, you come to realise that you're not right with God. That you need to be born again. And if you're born again, then you know it. And what I've said today will have served to remind you of the momentous implications of what it means. Others around you will also know it by seeing the signs I've just mentioned, evidence in your life. So praise God you are a new creation. Now despite the sermon outline, there is a fifth question <laughs> I now want to ask each one of us. And it is this. Have you been born again or not? Is the new life in Christ a reality for you or not? You see, the answer to that question has eternal consequences of the greatest magnitude. So be careful as to how one answers this. If one has been born again, then you are assured of entering God's kingdom. Hallelujah to that. Amen. But if you haven't, then you are heading for what the Bible terms 
everlasting destruction. Being shut out from the presence of God forever. Now I know that it is hard for our post-modern society to acknowledge the stark reality of these two alternatives. We now live in a world today of compromise, of tolerance, of accord where every faction has a view or opinion and demands the right to express it and no one is allowed to get offended. <laughs> yes, we live in an age of relativism where nothing is allowed to be absolute. But friends, the Bible is absolute. It is uncompromising. To try to soften it would be to do it a grave disservice. People today don't like anything that is black and white. And they want room to manoeuvre, but there's no room to manoeuvre here. It is a black and white issue. No middle ground, there's no compromise position, and we can't pretend. Our caterpillar can't become a butterfly by throwing its hairy little body off the wall and flapping imaginary wings. <laughs> Can it? It will come to grief. It can only enjoy the freedom of flight when it has on, undergone a transformation. Simply imitating a butterfly does not make a caterpillar a butterfly. And so too it is with us. You must be born again. And as you sit here this morning, you have either been born again of the Spirit of God or you haven't. And because so much rests on this issue, I ask the question again. Have you been born again or not? Remember, you are only born again when you accept Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Lord. If you've never done that, I'm going to offer you the opportunity of doing it right now. And I hope you'll take it up. So please bow our heads as I lead us in prayer. And if you want to be born again, please say these words, uh, perhaps quietly after me. I'll say a few words and then pause before moving on to the next ones. Let's pray. Father, today I am admitting that I am a sinner. and I therefore need to be forgiven. I believe that out of your great love, for mugs like me, you sent your son Jesus, the Messiah. To pay the price to forgive me. I want to now commit my life to live for Him 
as my Lord. Please cause me to be born again through your spirit. Amen. Thank you all. Over to you, Craig.